This is the Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. I'm your host, Paul Parisi. And I'm Jacob Young. On the Edge of Innovation, we talk about the intersection between technology and business, what's going on in technology, and what's possible for business. Thanks for joining us today on the Edge of Innovation. Last week, we talked about Paul's new ebook, 24 Website Must-Haves. This week, we're picking up from that conversation. So if you're checking in with us for the first time today, pause, go back, get last week, catch up on what Paul talked about, part one of his book, Getting Found Online, and part two, Design and Usability. That information was super helpful. Today, we're going to be talking with Paul about part three and four of his book, 24 Website Must-Haves. We're going to be talking about part three, content, and part four, conversion. These are really important things for people with websites. If you're a small business owner, we talked about this last week, how having a website is critical for the success of your business today. So, Paul, would you pick us up on part three, content? What do you mean you start out by talking about messaging? Well, sure. So, content is really everything. It is everything. So, if you went to Amazon and they didn't have any products, you wouldn't even go to Amazon. So, when you have a website, regardless of who you are, whether you're the littlest guy or the biggest guy, you know, company out there like Apple or you're a one-person uh, business uh, with, a, with a blog, your content is what is going to provide the context for a relationship with your customers. And that's what's important. So... You know, we talk about messaging, we talked about in our last is when somebody comes to your website, what do you do? It's got to be very clear. You don't want to make them guess. Um, you know, what would you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Paul, I'm this. Um, you want that message to come across. Now, you may be introducing yourself wrong, and you may need to go through a process. We do this with a lot of clients. Why are you doing what you're doing? What's your mm-hmm. Because, oh, I want to be a photographer. Well, you're introducing yourself as you're a photographer, but you really want to be a baby photographer. Mm-hmm. You know, so you might need to think about that. So you need to actually work with people to have them look at your site and give you feedback and test it. What is it saying? How is it saying? And is it buried under 10 lines or is it below the fold or below the screen that they can't see? Right. What are they getting? Yeah. That's really messaging. Making sure that it's very clear. Making sure your headlines are clear and say yep. what you want. And we've talked about in the past with different tags in HTML. Right. H1 is the heading one. It's the most important tag. There should be one on each of your pages, and it should tell you what the article is or the reading is about. Yeah. H2 should summarize the following section. Yeah. And etc. down however many you need to go. Yeah. And I think that getting feedback from your customers is critical because a part of messaging, while it might be clear to you, you need to make sure that it's clear to your audience that the people that you're talking through uh, understand the lingo that you're using right. and that so that the message is actually getting through. Absolutely. And then, you know, it's not enough to have a page that says, I'm a photographer that does baby photography and here's 10 steps, here's 10 tips for getting good baby pictures. Yep. It's to ask them to do something. Yeah. It's called call to action. You yeah. Want, you want to request that they do something. That's the whole point of a website. Right. It might be to follow you. It might be to engage you for business. It might be to share your information. But that's, you got to focus on what do I want people to do. Yeah. And make it very clear. And Excellent. Of course, testing all of that yeah. is, is critical. And there are tools that we use. Um, you know, if you're doing it yourself, it's, it's harder to figure out all of these moving picture, pieces. 
but um, there are tools that will let you test things. Yeah. A/B testing. Okay. So you can put up a, a call to action that's one way and a call to action that's another way and see which one performs better. Gotcha. The tools will actually, as it figures out which one's better, it'll direct everyone towards the one that's performing. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so along the lines of messaging and making sure that your message is getting really clear, clearly through to people, what do you mean by educate and offer value? Sure. Well, the bottom line is, is people are far too busy to do something and not get anything out of it. Whether it's you read a story and it was an enjoyable story, or if it's a scary story, you were scared and you're exhilarated by that, or if you watch a movie and you thought that was fun, uh, or you learn about how to take better baby pictures. Mm-hmm. That's where you have to educate. You have to offer value. Something that adds something to the person who's consuming. Right. Not just, you know, I mean, if you go in Times Square in New York City, there's all these signs yeah. blaring at you, but they really don't add any value. Yeah. Whereas if I can come alongside and say, oh, you're really interested in, um, you know, beat photography to death but you were right. interested in woodworking yeah did yeah did you hear about this new tool yeah oh no i didn't yeah you immediately feel more informed and right um and that's what you want to do in everything you do and you know there's so many people that say well i don't want to give my secret sauce away i don't agree with that i mean tell people what it is and yeah. what it takes uh because first of all if it's simple enough to give away somebody else has already figured it out sure yeah yeah if it's if it's complicated, then you're saying, hey, I can do this. Yeah. And now you become an expert. Yeah. You're comm- not only are you educating, but then you're also commending the quality of your services to somebody to say, listen, this widget over here is a new tool. I'm glad you know about it. But it, it does require a certain level of expertise to understand. And simply by recommending it and talking with knowledge about something, you are immediately commending your own services to somebody. Yeah. Which I think kind of goes along the lines of what you're talking about here with the importance of quality. Yes, quality. Grade A, prime B. Um, <laughs> 100% quality. Well, you know, that's a, it's, a, it's funny, but if I said to you, you know, um, one of these pieces of steak on this plate, and forgive me if you're a vegetarian, but you get the idea, I drop them a grant. Right. I, I don't know which one it is. Uh, which, which one to eat? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you'd be like, oh, man. So you don't get a lot of advertising out there that says 99% quality. Sure. You know, and that's really the point. You know, you have to offer unique content. You have to write for the people, for, for people. Yeah. Write for humans. Provide value, as we just talked about, um, and keep it fresh. This is the hardest thing I think people underestimate is they come out and they say, I'm going to do a blog or I'm going to do a website, blog on my website for photography. Or whatever. Yeah or whatever it might be, it's hard work. Yeah. We actually write stuff for our clients that they can then edit. Yeah. And help them to do that. And the ones that do it and follow through have tremendous results. Yeah. The ones that don't do that, don't commit to that, are disappointed. Yeah. Because they don't have it. So the the quality, and you you got to know that, that quality. You know, if you said, gee, um... You know, there's a sale on 35 millimeter film at the at this company in Newton, Mass. Yeah, yeah. Like, who cares? Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you just it's not very quality information. Right? Yeah, yeah. Tell, you know, bad information on top of it. That's even worse. Yeah. And then you'll get shares that say you don't know what they. Are. <laughs> <laughs> then you'll be building a website for a different company. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, along the lines of quality, uh, 
avoid gobbledygook. Yeah, exactly. But it's, you know, all of these terms, um, all of these business terms. Uh, right. There's a great video. Uh, we should link it in our show notes. We will. So, yeah, there's a great video that really encompasses all of the words you shouldn't use. Yep. And it's, it's called The Stuff Business People Say by Tyler and Trip. Yeah, it is, it is excellent. And it is ex- excellent. You know, that actually <laughs> might be one of those words. You know, actually, we're talking about next generation ideas that are flexible, you know, and robust and scalable yeah. and easy to use, cutting edge kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I always get so confused when, when when marketing guys just start talking. I just have, I'm like, I think I know what you mean, yeah. but that that's not how I usually think about it. Well, you know, when you write the content for your website, you want to be cutting edge, groundbreaking, and best to breed mission critical. <laughs> so, yeah. that's just not how people talk. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's the equivalent of going into a car sales, you know, a car showroom and what do I got to do to get you into this car today? That's yeah, yeah. That's exactly what you just said. Yeah, yeah. You got to be real. Yeah. And that's really what we're talking about is well, to avoid gobbledygook. And I think that's what you mean even by talking about messaging before is you have to understand who your audience is and what makes sense to them. And if using all, for example, all these business speak terms or you know what it's like to be around somebody that is really into boats and they start going off about the boat language and you are totally lost. My my, uh, family is all military and they start going off on all these military terms. I'm just like, I'm not in the military. I don't know what you're talking about. So if you're going to be successful at messaging your clients or your prospective clients through your website, it has to be in language, not gobbledygook, language that's normal for them. And that might be if you're going to a military audience speaking American English. It might be, yeah. So, but just, you know, these, these pontifical language, these things that we're used to or do, you know, Watch the video. Yeah, it'll change. Your it'll mind. be in the it'll be on the show notes. So along those lines, you have this section on be clear, not clever. Right, exactly, and I think that's you know there's a lot of cognitive work done when consuming things, and people consume websites at a huge speed. Yeah. Um, you know, television is very different because it feeds you at the speed it feeds you. Right. The web, the person is in control of their perception. They're skimming, They're things. skimming things. So if you're if you're trying to be clever, you know. You can throw a few jokes in here and there, but jokes, <coughs> jokes don't work as well as in writing uh, as they do in delivery. Um, and so just be clear. Be, you know, just make it clear, easy to understand, good rule of thumb. Excellent. So we've been talking, we've kind of gone around talking about the category of blogging um, regularly. You know, I made a joke earlier about how many blogs have the entry. Sorry, I haven't blogged in a while. You were making reference to blogging is a lot of work. Talk us through any more details on this category. Well, blogging is like maybe you could equate it to having your own radio show. Okay. About a podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, whatever that may be, you have something to say. Yeah. The more regular, the more consistent that that is, the better you will be perceived and the more value you will contribute. Right. Um, now, some people. You know, with a podcast, it takes time to consume it. You can't, you can't skim a podcast. Right. Or a radio show. Uh, it's time-bound. So, you know, blogs are not that way. So, to be able to come up and say what you think about a topic, you know, gee, this, you know, you know, photography or woodworking or this new thing came out and you give me 10 cents, 
expertise sense about it, and and that can be very helpful. Um, even blogging about what other people have said. Mm-hmm. Don't underestimate the value of that because if you're right. a photographer and you say, you know, um, you know, there's a great wedding photographer, Pure, don't do wedding photography, and over this town, you should talk to them. Yeah. That's going to be looked on as hugely valuable. Yeah. So blogging, though, the difficulty, I mean, you know, its aspects are it creates fresh content, it keeps people coming back, keeps them interested and engaged. Um, You would socialize it across social media, it would drive more people in, they would share it, you will get more traffic that way. Yeah. But you've got to keep doing it. Yeah. Don't start one. I mean, it doesn't hurt to start and do one blog, but you're better off not doing it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a great, uh, it's a great way for a business like you were saying. I love the example of commending other companies within your same industry because it's a way of uh, building relationships. It's a way of not only informing potential clients, but it's also a way of doing a public form of networking that commends the quality of your business. Absolutely. Yeah, because again. Want to be in the know. Yeah. And they want good information. And that's why you say, hey, you know, have you been to this restaurant? You know, and you can even, you know, do that in a small town or an area. I mean, we're in northern New England, uh, North Shore, Boston. And, you know, if I'm a photographer and I'm talking about, hey, you know, I had a really good experience at this restaurant in yeah. this town, that is going to be hugely beneficial to you. Yeah. It's, you know, it's giving somebody a compliment. And, you know, it can even be difficult situations. I went in, I had a hard time, and they fixed it this way. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's hugely, hugely valuable. Excellent. And you were mentioning making content shareable and socialized. Yeah. Talk me through that. Well, you want to make sure that if somebody sees something on your website that they like, that it is second nature trivial for them to put it on Facebook, Google, whatever it might be. Right. That they are interested in. If you have a funny picture that you put on your blog about a a dog you, you took um, a photo of, then you want them to be able to share that because that's how the world works is when you tell somebody and they tell somebody and they tell somebody. Yeah. So make it easy. And there's technology to implement to do that, and that's where you need to make sure you choose the right tool yeah. to do that. Yeah, and if you're wondering some very simple, basic tools, uh, we'll have links for – uh, buffer and other sort of tools on the show notes at paulpreci.com. One of the things that uh, that brings up is multiple forms of content because clearly you want to be engaging people. If you want to do it, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, those are very different types of content. Yeah, absolutely. Well, not only are the channels different, but the you just want the variety. You know, if you said, okay, um, I'm going to come over for dinner next week. Okay, great. Uh, we'll sit down and eat potatoes. Okay, interesting. Uh, <laughs> ask you to come over again, eat yeah, potatoes. You're like, huh, this isn't, you know. So to throw audio, video, um, right. pictures, pictures with text overlay is going to spice things up. Yeah. Um, now, you know, there are a lot of bloggers who are very successful who only blog. Right. But I'll bet they put pictures in there. Right. Or they blog and they picked up Twitter and Facebook as alternative means or additional means. Absolutely. So that multiple content, you know, is is critical. Um, you know, to not just think. I mean, it might be a little bit scary if you're doing a text blog and you've done one for a long time to say I'm going to do a podcast. Right. And a one-off podcast isn't going to be as much value to you. Um, but if you did a video or whatever, but you can. 
include videos that you like. Like I linked, I just talked about that Christian yeah. Tyler uh, uh, video. Well, put that in your blog. Yeah. So now I've got varied media. So somebody can share this. That, yeah. Hey, uh, Paul turned me on to this. This is really cool. Yeah. Uh, and that's what you want to do. You want to leverage stuff that's out there. You don't have to create everything that's there. Yeah. And then what do you mean by this category of customer proof? Well, you want to make sure that what you're doing is resonating. So you want to continually test it. You want to talk to customers. You want to make sure that you put in your website stories from your customers. So when somebody comes and is happy with your work, you do a testimonial. Gotcha. Now, you may not want to do that, but you may want to have somebody else do that for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even doing it yourself, you know, have them write a, a simple, have a simple form on there that says, you know, Compliments or complaints? You know, yeah. You know, compliments. Uh, you know, if you, if you get a complaint, I want to figure out how to make that a compliment. Right. I want to transition them. Yeah. Win them back. So that those are very powerful. Uh, you know, to have somebody say, you know, I had a problem with this this business, but uh, they fixed it. Yeah. And then you might even want to think about, gee, let's do a video of that yeah. interview with that person. Yeah. And it may be actually more genuine to have it be done by somebody else. Yeah. You doing. Yeah. Excellent. So that this is part three of Paul's book, 24 website must haves. We've been doing the first two sections, part one and part two in the previous episode. We've just been going over part three on content. Paul, I'd like to talk about conversion because this is a part of we've been alluding to this through the whole conversation, leading people into getting them correctly into a website. They find the website. You know, they like the website, they like what they see, they want to share it. Now we want to talk about conversion. What does that mean to convert them into, I'm presuming, a customer or audience member of some kind? Is that what you mean by that? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, conversion can mean a lot of things to different people. There's a great Neil Phillips line where he's sitting in a theater and somebody comes up to him and says, excuse me, sir, is that seat saved? And he looks at them and says, I didn't know seats could be saved. (laughs) (laughs) um, So... If you haven't heard Emo and you don't know him, go out and YouTube him. He is a unique human being. But, you know, the, we have this concept in, inside of Save Your Lab company that call people story action. And it's very simple. Um, we're trying to take people, tell them a story, and promote them to an action. And that's really what conversion is. Is what is the action that we want them to do? And what you find in this whole inbound marketing era is we want to do them, we want them to have multiple conversions that have low thresholds for commitment. Yep. So um, initially, it may be coming and reading your blog. Right. And then it might be giving them, them giving you their email address so you can send them the next and last one of your blog. Yep. And you keep building that relationship just as you would in person. Um, and then after a certain amount of time has, has come, they might reach out to you or you reach out to them at a special time. Yeah. But the goal is every page you have should have a call to action and a conversion. Something right. for them to do. Right. Um, might be a simple quiz, you know, where you say, you know, do you own your own home? Yep. Um, you know, it could be, you could think of it somewhat as a death by a thousand paper cuts, you know, little pieces of information. Yeah. But every page should be an opportunity for you to capitalize on conversion. Yeah. Some of my experience is in the fundraising world, and it's called the stages of the yes, where you get people to say yes at every stage. That's not necessarily say yes to financially giving. That's obviously a fundraising world, but 
you're talking about getting people to say yes to yes i'll join the newsletter right. yes exactly. i'd like to talk talk to you more yes i'd like to share this it's all stages of converting people into an action that that is not only one that they resonate with but one also one that you want them to do right and that's often characterized as a funnel yeah so you have a very wide funnel that has very low commitment and then as you move down the funnel to the next where you actually are getting an engagement from them and they're saying yes i want to consider hiring you to do this yeah uh, and that's very important So you start us out by in this section of conversion, talking about effective calls to action. Talk us through that. Right. A good value proposition. Yeah. Give me an email address which I will never sell, and I'll keep you up to date on my, pod, my yeah. podcast or my blog that you just enjoyed reading. Yeah. So you just kind of alluded to it, but call to action, it's sometimes, you know, abbreviated CTA. Mm-hmm. The call to action positioning, right. is that what you're referring to then? Absolutely. It's very, um, it's critical. And we're going to jump into the next topic, which is landing pages. It's, these are all sort of welded together. Yeah. So a landing page is a page that you have written. Let's say you want to write a definitive article about how to um, uh, mow your grass. Okay. I would read that article. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so here's the definitive article. And you, and you go in there and you're fun and you're saying, well, this is the way to do it. And you want the perfect lawn. Without chemicals, etc. So you write that article. Mm-hmm. Now, how are people going to get to that website? Are they going to come to paulterisa.com and search for lawnmower? Mm-hmm. Probably not. They're probably going to search for the best way to mow your lawn. And so you've figured that out. So you come up in the first couple of entries. When they click on that, they're landing on what's called a landing page. Right. Okay. So. It has it's some way to jump into your website. Now, that landing page needs to do something. Mm-hmm. Give them information and hopefully get some information from them. Yeah. Every landing page should have a call to action on it. Yeah. That call to action should get something back from them. Yeah. Um, landing pages are typically, you know, uh, very focused mm-hmm. content, and they will be very clear what the person is talking about. Um, and then it might be an, uh, a way for them to explore other things. Mm-hmm. So landing pages are critical, especially for businesses. It's harder with the blog example, but yeah. if you have a product that says, you know, here is the, the ultimate lawnmower sharpener. Right. You know, it, it, it 
your name. Do you want them to be able to say, you, you Google sharpening lawnmower blades, and they get to that page. Yeah. And it says, buy now for 50% off because of my special deal. Yeah. And I'm being a little bit crass. But, sure. Uh, you know, that's what that landing page would be. Yeah. Buy it now. Yeah. Here's our testimonials, all the different things that are on there. You may not have a lot. You want to make sure you don't put too much on there. Yep. But you want to make it very clear that, hey, you can buy this now. Yeah. And then um, they, you know, there's some landing pages that you can't even get to the rest of the website. You just stay right on that front side. You don't want them to wander away yeah. without having given you their email address. Right. Uh, if you, and that happens with Amazon. When you go to Amazon and you say, proceed to the checkout. Yeah. You can't get back. There's yeah. There's no buttons to go. Yeah, yeah. You literally have to go to your browser button and click that. Yeah, yeah. And that's important because they found that if there was something else distracting up at the top that said, hey, why not buy new shoes, you might go off there. And then not buy. And never and never complete the purchase because you got distracted by a phone call. Yeah. So they want to they wanna put the landing page in yep. where you, you click on the gotcha. guardrails up. Excellent. And then along those lines, you're talking about this exchange of information, wanting to get stuff, uh, information from people. Uh, that leads to the category of forms. Absolutely. Talk me through that. Well, I mean, forms, you want to ask as few things as you can on a form. The more fields you have on a form, the more people are going to abandon that form. Mm -hmm. They should be crystal clear what you're supposed to put in there. Yeah. Um, you know, one of my pet peeves is that there are some forms where they say your first name, but it's actually in the form field. So when when you, the minute you click in there, the word first name goes away. Oh, right. As opposed to putting it just above the field. Oh, right. And that's okay with first name. But let's say I'm on a form, I'm very interested in it, and I type in my my name. I, I type in my first letter, and I, I don't know why. Maybe I did something in another field. And I get distracted for two minutes. And yep. I come back, and I can't remember what the first one was. Was it my first name or my last name? Right. Is it this my email address? That's that's awkward. Yeah. So you need to have ways in which people can really understand what you Sure. Because if they don't, they're going to abandon it. Right. Uh, man, I've been in forums where you you know, you know type in a phone number, and it's a G. Uh, this isn't in the right format. <laughs> well, who cares? Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, there was, uh, wasn't there this funny article we were passing around a couple of weeks ago of all the different ways that a programmer would come up with entering a phone number? Yes, it was true. Yes, it's true. And how to not do it. How yeah, to, yeah. You know, how to, the worst ways to do it. Yeah, that'll, that link for just pure fun will be in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, so make your forms very easy to understand. Make them work on mobile. Don't ask too much information. Make it clear what's required and not. I think there are, I don't have them, I don't know that I, I would research them, but I know there's been studies done by people that know the relative completion rates based on the number of fields. Yep. You know, and you've been in surveys before where they say it will only take two minutes to do this survey, and you click on the first page, and they do the first three questions, and you go to the second page, and there's three questions, and you notice the thermometer bar has moved a lot, yeah. and you just abandon it. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, it's not worth it to me. Yeah. You can't do that. You know? So, but what you can do is incentivize them to take very little information, incentivize them to come back in the future and ask you one more question. Yeah. You do that a thousand times, and you'll have a profile of the person. Yeah. Yeah. 
Excellent. So then you have had this conversion, you've had them fill out information, and then talk me through this last category you have of newsletters. Yeah, newsletters is sort of the, the it's the blog of business. Yeah. I mean, you know, blogs are typically uh, identified with people, mm -hmm. um, and that's important. But if you're an executive and you're a consultant <coughs> and, you know, in a, in a heavy industry, um, it's going to be weird if you necessarily have a blog. I mean, it might if you're saying I'm seeing these trends or these you know these trends out there. Yeah. But a newsletter is a different sort of take on it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm um, the president of this consulting company, and I'm in the um, the energy sector, and I see this happening. Okay, that's a great blog. A newsletter might be we have seen these trends, we have seen this happen, this yeah. happen, this happen, and it would usually come out on the same day. Right. On a regular regular interval or whatever it is that people can come to expect it. Yeah. And I think that's critical uh, for an organization to have a formal newsletter. Yeah. The blog posts might be coming out transiently. You might have one week where you have one and then it might be 10 days before you have the next one. Yeah. Whereas opposed to every Tuesday. Now, you know, every Tuesday might be what you want to do as well. Yeah. People are used to regularity. Yeah. And it's one of those things with newsletters in some ways, um, at least for me, I can have associations of the old spam mm -hmm. concerns. Absolutely. But I, I've increasingly seen uh, marketers talk more about newsletters as being, in some ways, the best way to connect and message with your clientele. Because in some ways, the email address, people's personal contact information, especially their email address, is almost their most guarded piece of information because they don't want to get the spams. But then it's also much more personalized because if you go on Facebook, Facebook is aggregating information in ways that might guard information from you or hide information that you'd want to see. Whereas with a newsletter, you've said, I want to know what Paul Parisi thinks. Right. And it's also, I think, a chance for, you, for them to catch up. Yeah. Because with a blog, if I missed it, I missed it. But the newsletter actually might have a summary of the past month's blogs. Yeah. So it's a way in which somebody can say, I'm interested in this organization, this company, this person. Tell me what's going on. And then perhaps so. Yeah. Rather than me having to have looked at everything. Yeah. Excellent. So to get back in. Yeah. Excellent. It, speaking of newsletters, if you would like to hear from Paul on a weekly basis, you can go to paulparisi.com. We have the Edge of Innovation newsletter. We send that out every Friday morning. You can get that every week. We'd love to hear from you and to talk to you on a weekly basis. Another thing that would really help us out, if you would go to wherever you get your podcast from, and would you leave us a rating? We'd love to hear how you're enjoying the podcast. We'd love to see the rating, help us get connected with more people. And speaking of sharing, please share the Edge of Innovation with all your friends and people that you would think would be helped by hacking the future of business, technology and business for the future of entrepreneurs and people who want to see their businesses grow in the digital age. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. The Edge of Innovation is brought to you in partnership with Savior Labs. Savior Labs exists to help businesses mature and strategize for the future. Learn more about Savior Labs at SaviorLabs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. For the show notes and more information about Paul, please visit paulparisi.com. 
The Edge of Innovation is produced by Jacob Young in conjunction with copious amounts of coffee. Music on today's episode was from bensound.com. Paul can be found on Twitter at pdparisi and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash pdparisi. This episode, like all our episodes, is transcribed and available at paulparisi.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.